Welcome, change agents. I'm so glad you're here. This is Cheryl Klein, and you're listening to the Limitless Leader Podcast. We are here with Christine Kiefer, Senior Vice President at Experis. Christine, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, we were talking earlier, and I cannot wait to hear what you have to say on this because you have research, you have stories, and this is going to be a very direct conversation. Now, there's no fluff in this conversation. So if you are a female leader or emerging leader or male ally that wants the best for your female team, um, then this is going to be the interview for you. So super excited to jump in. But before you start sharing your wisdom, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about how did you get to where you are today? You know, as a, you know, a younger, well, obviously you're younger than me, but as a lot younger, Christine, you know, as a younger person, was there a person or an event that inspired you to greatness or something that was difficult that you decided you would rise above? Yeah, sure. I, you know, I like to talk sometimes about uh, my career origin story, I like to, to call it, because um, people who maybe knew me back when I was in college or high school would say, I never imagined you'd have a career in tech. And that's not a path I intentionally set out um, to go for. But I spent the greater part of my career, what, more than 20 years in, in this industry. Um, so how did I get here? I was an English literature major in college, not a clear path to technology. Um but it was something I had a passion for. You know, I, I loved understanding how people think, looking at themes, looking at communication. And I think I'd always envisioned that I would go off and get my PhD and maybe teach university level literature or worst case, I go to law school. It's a great foundation for, for law school. But I found when I graduated from college, I was mentally exhausted. <laughs> the idea of going to school for another four, eight, 12 years it, it sounded terrible without a break. And so I thought to myself, I just need a break. I just need a job. I thought jobs, you know, when you're when you're in school, you think a job is a break. You think it's it's so much easier than than school. Uh, so next question is, what do you do with an English major? So I didn't want to be like an elementary or high school teacher. Um, next question, publishing. Oh, yeah, that could maybe be a thing. Uh, and that's where I ended up, but not a traditional book publishing company. Um, I ended up working for a small company was growing at the time called Howard W. Sams. And it was a it was a publishing company that published print catalogs for the MRO industry. So these are like um, industrial uh, tool supplies, uh, like electrical components. I mean, not anything that I had a lot of a lot of background in, but it was really fortuitous that I joined this company because they were going through a transformation at the time I joined. They had been around for ages, were really well known in the industry very traditional book print publishing. They had just been purchased by a company, um, Bell Atlantic, so a big telecom company, and they purchased them because they thought, hey, we've got some technology we use to create yellow pages of all things. Could we use that to revolutionize this catalog print industry? So you had kind of the, the old school teams that had been doing this and knew what they were doing for years. You had this new company that wanted to figure out how to innovate and they were growing rapidly. So they hired a bunch of us new to career people um, to come into the, the organization. And I, I had a chance to do a lot of things that most people new to career would never have an opportunity to do. So I got to work in lots of departments. I had leadership roles. I worked directly with clients. Um, I got to interact directly with the CEO, which normally as some 21 year old you know person is not going to do. 
had some great learnings, but probably the most uh, influential piece of what happened there that really took me off into this tech path is I had an opportunity along with some others to work with a technology team that was trying to drive this technology transformation into this traditional platform. And so I had to understand how had this company always done it? So what are kind of the basics of doing this? What's the technology we're trying to leverage and really act as that conduit between those two teams so that we could affect this transformation? And that's when I realized I really had a passion for understanding what's a business initiative, what's a business problem, understanding enough about technology to understand how that could enable it and really acting as a conduit and a um, almost a translator between the two. And so when it came time for me to look at what to do next in my career, I, I talked to a former manager from that company. He said, have you thought about IT consulting? And I thought, what are you talking about? I have nothing to do with IT consulting. And he said, it's what you've been doing for the last several years. And he was absolutely right. Uh, and so that's kind of where I took off into this tech space, not as a, even a hardcore technologist, I'll say. I don't write code. But what I do and continue to do is understand business needs particularly when it talks about transformation, I understand how technology can enable that. And I look at how we bring those things together to really transform businesses. Yeah. And I want to pause you for a second because something that you said, and not just that you said, but that you did is really important because you're thinking, mm -hmm. I'm an English major, uh, but I might like to do something else. Mm -hmm. And then someone kind of gave you a little bit of a nudge. Yep. So, and you're like, that's not me. But but good for you for kind of accepting the challenge. So for anyone listening, if you're thinking that I maybe I don't really like where I am now or mm -hmm. I really want to do something else, but that's not where my education or experience is. I think Christine brought up a really good example of really thinking through what are my transferable skills and what do I love? And so the underlying message here is just go for it. So good for you. That's awesome. And I think we as, as women, uh, we're less likely to believe that something we have is transferable, right? So a lot of times we say, like, this is what I know how to do. I'm really good at this. And we are nervous about thinking that that could be something that could help us excel in another area. So it's a risk to take. But um, in my experience, it pays off when I take the leap. Yeah. And, and we're talking today, we're going to be talking today about, excuse me, visibility and self-promotion. And even in creating a title for this to be totally transparent. We're like, oh, we don't know if we should call it self-promotion. That's right. And I'm like, and we're the ones talking about it. So we're like, oh no, this is self-promotion. So you know that if we're not a hundred percent like comfortable, um, you know, that the message is here is to get comfortable with self-promotion. Mm -hmm. And even when you're in this beginning stage of trying to maneuver through or thinking about what's next or what you want to do, even making it visible that you're interested in something, not just right. visible in something that you've accomplished or that you're proud of, right. but just say, you know, my background's in English, but I'm passionate about business systems and, you know, IT or whatever it is. And so mm -hmm. visibility can start very early. Absolutely. Yeah. So can you also uh, share a little bit about, you know, being a woman, a female leader in technology? A lot of times success is a circuitous path, especially, you know, being an only or a double only. Mm -hmm. uh, so can you talk a little bit about the mindset that's helped you get to where you are? Because it's probably hasn't been for the faint of heart the entire time. 
No, def definitely has not been for for the faint of heart. Um, and I've often been, yeah, a, a double only. So I might I may be in a room. Uh, in fact, I can't tell you how many presentations I've been in to clients, and, and maybe it's a proposal we're responding to. And so you've got teams of people kind of going through the room as as each person um, makes their case. And I've been pulled aside so many times to say, "You're the only woman I've seen all day." Uh, and sometimes that feels good, and sometimes it's a little bit terrifying because you wonder how your presence is perceived. Um, and so the other the other thing that we have to consider as you go through that is it's really easy. I think as women, we tend to take on a lot. We very rarely say no. So we fill up our box with things that we say that we can, we can do, we will do, we want to be helpers. And then I've sat back several times and thought, I don't know how I'm going to possibly get through this list of things I've agreed to do. Um, am I spending my time doing things that are really the best use of my time, the company's time and moving that forward? And so I have sort of a mental strategy that I, I take a step back when I find myself in that situation. I think through it. I think, what's the strategy I'm trying to drive right now? Who are the stakeholders? So who cares about this strategy? Who cares about this bigger picture? What am I and what am I end result? What am I going to be measured on? So why are we even doing this thing? And, and then I look at the activities and say, do they make any sense in the context of everything I just looked at? And I find that nine times out of 10, like 80% of my list of things that I think I have to do that are super important are in no way tied to strategy. I don't have stakeholders who really care about it. There's not a great measurable result. And so I shouldn't be spending time on it. And following that sort of methodology in my head is what I do to help kind of clear my mental inbox. Yeah, I think that is super important. So having, it's kind of the mindset to have um, boundaries mm -hmm. and also assess. I mean, you can do this. I mean, usually I do this on sun, like Sunday nights, a great time right. to assess for the week or make sure you have, you know, weekly, monthly, quarterly, you know, assessments like this. So if you're listening and you feel like your head's spinning a little bit and you don't have this built in, I think that can be a very worthwhile, what, 10 to 15, even 30 minutes of your time. And just taking your time to think about it. You know, sometimes I just have to schedule it on my calendar. The beginning of the day, I try to when my brain is still fresh and really think about what I'm trying to accomplish for the day. And there's usually a lot of things on my list that shouldn't be done. And so sometimes I'm canceling meetings or I'm moving things out or I'm reprioritizing things. But if I don't schedule it, I can fill up my day very easily with things that just don't advance me or advance the company. Yeah. I think you're wearing my coaching hat now because I, <laughs> I always say if it doesn't get scheduled, it doesn't get done. It doesn't get done. It's very and true. <laughs> you're scheduling things, schedule stuff for yourself as well. As far as if you have a movement practice, a meditation, you know, whatever. Um, just, I just have to sneak that in there all the time. <laughs> so before we jump into, you know, talking about the importance of visibility and self-promotion, uh, which I can't even express how important that is. Um, and, and also what holds us women back from doing it. It's very interesting, some of the research you have. But before we jump in, I thought I would ask too, you know, have you ever had fear or doubt and move forward anyways? Because a lot of times for emerging leaders um, and, and even for your peers, you know, sometimes we even see our peers think, gosh, she's done these things. She's fearless. Mm -hmm. But fearless doesn't mean without fear. It means it means having the fear, but not allowing the fear to hold you back to what's important. So have you ever, 
you know, had any fear or doubt and pushed through anyway? Can you share something? All the time, first of all. Um, but yeah, a, a big, a big example of that um, just happened like a year ago. So I had spent the better part of my career uh, with a company that I loved um, and loved working there. I was there for over 20 years, uh, had a chance to do lots of different things. So it's a company that you know kept me engaged. Um, we grew a lot through acquisition. So I had a chance to always meet new people, learn new things. It had been a great organization, but I was there for a very long time and I was comfortable there. Um, and during COVID, I think we all kind of took a step back and said, I think collectively the country or the world said, is this what my life is? Is this what I want it to be? And so like many people, I found myself starting to think about that a little bit. Um, over the years, I had been contacted by various you know, recruiters and headhunters periodically. And I would sometimes engage in conversations just to kind of understand what else is out there. And, and I'd never made the move. And sometimes it's because the companies I talked to ultimately decided I wasn't the right person. But I'll admit, like, I had a sigh of relief when they would do that because I think, okay, I didn't need to leave. I'm, I'm good here. Sometimes I self-extracted because I thought, well, it's not better than what I have here. But I realized in this latest period of self-reflection and that kind of next round of interest, because luckily for those of us in tech, even COVID and even kind of the current potentially looming recession has not, uh, it's not affected our sector as much as it has others. So there still are opportunities out there for us. I took the time again to say, am I in the right place? And I had the right time. And I realized that I felt like for myself, I was no longer invigorated. I I was I lost some of the passion that I had always brought to the table. I was still learning, but I didn't feel like I was learning at the pace that I had in the past. And for me, it's always important that I am learning and I'm contributing. Those are two like, sides of the coin that I have to have to feel fulfilled in my role. And I looked at how I thought the organization perhaps perceived me. So I tried to think about my internal brand at that point in time. And I felt like maybe I was seen as a self safe pair of hands mm -hmm. and I was respected and I'd been around at the block and I, and I had a great network and I could do stuff. I don't, I didn't know if I was seen as transformational anymore. And that gave me pause, not because I didn't think I could be transformational, but I just didn't know if I was the person they needed at that time to continue on the path that they are on. So that made me more open to, to conversations with others. And so I started to talking to some other folks and the company I ended up making the move for is the last one I thought I would. And so if any of my colleagues from my new company experience uh, in manpower group, see this, they'll say, Oh, like, what are you saying? But I, it was a company I wasn't familiar with. So I had come from a big global it services consulting and outsourcing firm and um, Experis, the company I moved to, is a part of Manpower Group. So those of you who may have heard of Manpower, it's a uh, uh, the history and legacy of it is the Manpower brand itself, which is industrial staffing. Not an immediate uh, connection to tech for me, but it's a company that had a, its heritage there, but had grown over the years and expanded into a variety of talent solutions, including a technology place, which was the Experis brand. And interestingly enough, if you think back to kind of my origin story with uh, moving into tech, they were at a point of transformation. So um, the, the brand and the company were growing. There was a focus on this IT brand, this IT organization I'd be a part of. We were getting ready to go through some really strong growth and acquisition. So the organization itself was changing. Um, so there was a chance to be part of a leadership team that was going to transform the way we went to market transform what our organization looked like, 
um, have responsibility to execute on some really aggressive growth plans, which meant we had to have a strategy and we had to be aligned on it. Uh, so a really interesting time to come in and be impactful, even if I fail. The scary part about it was because of the heritage as a staffing company, 80% of what they did is not what I have experience in. So I don't have experience in recruiting. I have a little bit of experience in staffing, or I did. I'm, I'm, I've picked it up, I hope, a little bit quickly as I've come into this. The smaller piece of what they did is where I brought my expertise to the table. And so I knew that my expertise could be transformational because it was new to the organization. But I had to very quickly learn what the rest of the organization was about or my piece wasn't going to work. And so it was scary. I jumped into a company I didn't know wasn't a clear and obvious fit. Um, like where I said about 80% of what they did, it was new to me and I had to be impactful in that. Um, but I made the leap for a couple of reasons that have borne themselves out. And so I'm super glad that I did. One is not only the, the, the inflection point they were at, so the focus on the transformation, but it was the leadership team I'd have a chance to work with. So, uh, you know, the, the manager I worked directly for, uh, he, you know, great visionary, very open to different points of view, very open to different voices, um, which I think is important when you're going through a transformation. Uh, there was a focus and an openness to women in leadership. In fact, the the um, leader of our North American Manpower Group organization is a woman. I had a chance to speak with her, uh, Becky Frankowitz, during our interview process. And it was inspirational to see that this company was walking the walk and not just talking the talk. Women were leading, women were influencing. And it, it drove all the way through the organization. So the other piece that really pulled me in, and it's been a part of why I think we are being successful, is it's a company that puts people at the heart of what we do. And a lot of companies say this. Um, I've worked with lots of companies that say this. This is actually a company that does it. And people told me that in the interview process. And you take that with a grain of salt. But it is, in fact, what we're doing. So when we're sitting in a strategy meeting, we're making business decisions, even doing budgets. There's an active conversation about how does this affect our employees? How can we best communicate this? How do we help manage the change? And how do we measure their result, their reaction to it to make sure that we're, we're making the right decisions? And that was really impactful to run a business that's people-centered, which we have to do because the business is about putting people to work. But it's a very different environment um, than a lot of traditional companies are in. And so well, this was a scary thing. Um, I I almost changed my mind and went back. And so that's how scary it was. I thought, oh, I can't leave this company. Like, it's so safe. Um, it was actually my husband that stepped in and said, hey, look, think about why you're interested in this company. It values people as visionary leadership. It's an opportunity to transform. And there are women that you can see and learn from in positions of leadership. And that recentered me. He was right. And so I made the leap terrifying as it was, but it's been a great, it's been a great move. And it's what I needed to get myself engaged again. Yeah. And so I really love that. And, um, you know, having a supportive partner, friend, colleague, whoever, someone to, uh, who really has your best interests at heart to lay it out for you and, you know, give you a gentle nudge or a not so gentle nudge is super important. So is. that is amazing. Um, and so, you know, now, you know, a year later, you know, for yourself and also for what you would like to share with those listening, you know, how important do you think visibility is and also self-promotion? 
because especially when a lot of times, you know, it shows in the research we were talking about this before, is that, you know, our male counterparts, which is great for them, is just they are better at making themselves visible. They're better at self-promotion. We also talked a little bit about the cultural indoctrinations as far as how we as women were raised, how we witnessed our mothers and our grandmothers that don't brag and just be quiet and do your work. Your work speaks for itself, which mm -hmm. you know, as we talked about being a myth. So can you share a little bit about the importance of visibility, self-promotion, and what's the best way to just get your name out there? Yeah, so Cheryl, it, it's hugely, uh, it's hugely important, particularly once you get into leadership roles. I think we as women tend to think our work's going to speak for ourselves. We will be recognized, we'll be promoted, we'll be paid based on our work without having to, to say a word. And um, it's not the case. And there's a ton of research that backs that up. Um, but also there's research out there that says that we're afraid to self-promote. We're uncomfortable doing it. And you mentioned a couple of the reasons. I mean, some of it is just um, societal norms. It's it's how it's sometimes perceived when a woman does try to self-promote. Like, let's be honest, it's hard for anybody to self-promote. It's a very fine line between sharing your accomplishments and being seen as bragging, taking um, you know credit where credit may not be due. It's, it's a very fine line for everyone, let's be clear. Uh, but it's more so for women um, in the research we see. So um, a couple of folks, Judd Kessler from the Wharton School of Business and Christine Exley from the Harvard Business School, they, they published um, some research a couple of years ago that was really insightful on this topic. Um, they were looking at self-promotion in women and in men to see if there's a gender gap there. Um, and what they discovered is there is, in fact, a pretty significant gender gap in women's willingness to self-promote and, and in how we perceive our capability and performance. And what they saw was that um, in a test that they, they gave to both men and women, the women performed as well, if not better than the men in this test, but the men were much more likely to perceive their performance and communicate their performance as higher than the women. And they tried a couple different um, versions of that to see if there are things that played into it. So for example, they thought, well, um, what if we said all the results will be made, will be kept private? So this is, you're not bragging, right? So they take away the bragging and say, here's the actual results. Here's how you did. Are you more willing now to talk about what a good job you did? Nobody's going to hear it. The gender gap was still there. It was still there. Um, they also looked at what if we said this may or may not be made public, but it could influence whether you're hired, whether you get a salary increase, a promotion, uh, and what they found is that also did not get rid of, of the gender gap. Men were more willing to take the risk, um, even to say that they had performed better than in fact they had, so that they could get this um, this opportunity. And what they saw was that men do get more opportunities because they are willing to do that, that self-promotion. And so women, by not being comfortable to do the self-promotion, we are losing opportunities for internal promotions, for raises, um, and to, to move forward. And, and part of it is, is I think that some of the cultural, you know, how do we feel like we will be perceived if we do that? Uh, there's some related research that KPMG published a couple of years ago as well that looked at a similar topic. It was women and risk-taking in careers. And are we comfortable taking risks? Uh, and what some of that study showed was that 
we're comfortable doing new things. So uh, close to 70% of women said, yeah, I'll take on a new project. I'll get involved with something I haven't done before. So we're willing to try something new, contribute in new ways. When you ask that same group of women, and this was a group, by the way, of um, college-educated um, white-collar workers, right? So it's a very kind of specific demographic that's relevant for the tech space where I work. And while we we're willing to get involved in those kind of things, when we asked that same group, are you comfortable talking about your achievements? Only 43% of women were, less than half. Wow. And when they said, are you comfortable asking for a raise? Only 33% of women were comfortable doing that. So knowing that, how how active do you think we are in making sure that we get credit for what we do and being being comfortable asking to be paid for what we do? There's a, there's a big gap there. So it, it's hugely important and it, it is impacting us. We hear all the time in the news, oh, there's a wage gap between um, the sexes. And part of that you can see starts to be um, driven through these behaviors and the differences that we have in there. So, you know, how do you, how do we balance that? And it's something I struggle with personally. I'll just tell you, I mean, that, that, that research feels very real to me. Um, as I look through my career and look at how I you know, had approached it through the years, I mean, I'm a hard worker. Um, I'm happy to work behind the scenes. I've always been happy to kind of prop up the people um, above and around me and just hope that um, my work would speak for itself. And I realized at a certain point it wasn't anymore. It, it wasn't. It was doing the things I thought it was doing in terms of helping the organization, helping my leadership, helping my teams. But it wasn't doing anything for me. It wasn't speaking for itself. And so I started speaking for myself and I had to start to experiment with that because that's also um, a little bit of a test for women. We, when we communicate um, our accomplishments or try to advocate for ourselves, it can be perceived differently than if a man has the same communication style and approach. And um, I know that's an uncomfortable thing for people to say, but again, there's research that bears this out. This isn't just the you know opinion of me, but it was also my experience. I saw differences in how requests that I made or communications I made were reacted to um, in various organizations. I saw it in real time. And so I had to try to think about how could I approach this differently in a way that gets the results without the negative impact that can come with that. And I'm probably not 100% successful. <laughs> In fact, I'm sure that I'm not. Uh, but a few things kind of stand out um, for me. One is the importance of my network. So, you know, for those of you out there and women that are trying to think about how do, how do you get out the news of what you are contributing and have accomplished without feeling like you need to do a 10-point PowerPoint presentation to your boss or your boss's boss, then your network's hugely important. So, I, you know, I try to take the opportunity to look at people that I work with, um, not just the people I work for, um, but also other people in my organization that may be, um, maybe a peer, maybe up a level or two, and share with them if they're willing um, what I'm trying to do. So, what's my strategy for my organization, or my team, or an initiative? Uh, where do I? think I'm seeing success or not, what kind of results am I seeing? And then I ask for their feedback on it. And that does two things. One is it gives me a chance to get perspective that I might not otherwise have. When I'm asking people outside of my little world that I'm working in, I've gotten some great ideas and sort of redirects or areas to explore that just weren't even on my radar. Uh, but also then you're creating a network of people who know what you do. They know what you contribute and they can advocate for you there are a lot of times that you will not be in the room 
when there's an opportunity for a new job, a project, an initiative. And the more people that know what you can do and are doing, the better chance you have to be considered in that. So I think network is is hugely, hugely important. Um, The second thing is also as women leaders, I think we struggle sometimes with how much do I promote myself versus how much do I really promote my team? And people can go to extremes. So I've seen some women leaders who will never speak about the accomplishment as though they have any part in it. And they'll say, oh, well, it wasn't me. It was only so-and-so from my team or only these people did it. I did nothing. I did nothing. That's not true. So when you're a leader, your team is your accomplishment, right? If you have a high-performing team, you absolutely should recognize them. You should recognize them by name. You should give them um, the credit and the visibility in the organization that they deserve. If you are performing with a well-performing team, you are also demonstrating that you can build, mentor, develop, and execute with a great team. And that's what a great leader does. And so we shouldn't make the mistake of saying that if we promote visibility for our team, that we're undermining ourselves, our team is our accomplishment. That's a, oh, I don't mean to interrupt, but that's a really that's a really great point. And I'm glad that you brought them brought that up because I think it's fairly common for it is women to just downplay their um, what they're passionate about, what they're good at, and what they've accomplished. And then for anyone, for those who are listening, you know, I'm sure everyone's wheels are spinning now. Is there, is, can you boil it down to like a one call of action to think, okay, so if you want to increase your visibility and you want to self-promote in, on, in an authentic way, that will be a win-win, you know, for yourself and your organization. You know, we talked about practicing. I mean, we talked a little bit about creating safe spaces first, like pods, mm-hmm. you know, or it's practice with your colleagues or your peers or your spouse or what have you, talking about what you're good at and what you love. But is there something else that you could share as like a call to action so women can start gaining more visibility and start to promote themselves? and be more open to these opportunities? Yeah, I think you 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 touched on and, and, and we talked about a couple of the things that we can do ourselves for our own self-promotion, you know, utilizing those networks and, and thinking about how we position things. We also have a responsibility as women leaders to take a role in, in promoting the visibility of, of other women. And so from a call to action standpoint, I would say, uh, make sure that we you are actively mentoring and advocating for other women in your organization and, and men as well um, because that also helps not only them but it helps you as well if you are actively mentoring and advocating and advocating the distinction i make there is mentoring is that's nice you give them good advice you give them a you know somebody to talk to advocating is actually speaking on their behalf in an opportunity that could help them move to a new role a new organization it's, it's actively participating there and they will remember you people that you advocate for, whether it's a man or a woman could end up being a colleague, a coworker, or a future boss. And they will remember what you contributed. So that's a part of the visibility, not only for that person, but for you as well. And so I think as we move through our, our paces in the organization, doing that, and also remembering that the, gender gap in how we self-promote is very, very real. And so as leaders, we have a responsibility to look beyond 
the self-promotion and dig in to see the real results of our teams because they may not be visible. And we have a responsibility to encourage um, our peers and other leaders to do the same. A hundred percent. And so Christine Kiefer, thank you so much for your wisdom. And if you're watching, just be sure to really think about what you love, what you're good at, create a safe space to start talking about it more. And, you know, as we move into, if you're watching this towards, you know, in Q4, towards the end of this year, think about just some goals that you have to be mm -hmm. visible and, you know, maybe how you're going to self-promote in the coming weeks or months. Because um, I think that we talked about it a little bit is that the, um, you know, the world's in a little bit of a precarious place. And I think we really need female leaders and emerging leaders to speak up and be heard now more than ever. Christine, thank you so much for your time. Thank I you. look forward to following your journey and I appreciate your time to be on the show. If you've enjoyed this episode, follow or subscribe to the Limitless Leader podcast with Cheryl Klein on whatever podcast platform you use. We'll let you know every time we release a new episode. And if you really enjoyed what you've heard so far, rate and review us too. That's one of the best ways that you can support us and make sure that this podcast keeps going. And also, I offer a significant library of free mental toughness and high performance videos, worksheets, tips, and other helpful content on my website at www.cherylkline.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Cheryl Klein, and I look forward to having you back next time. And remember, you're only limited by what you think is possible. Cheering you on always. Thanks for having me.